So when Paul asked me to, to preach, he was like, you can preach, but you gotta preach on prayer. <laughs> um, since we're going and looking at prayer as a church. And so I thought, thought the best place to start is to pray. <laughs> and as I was praying, the Lord just kept taking me back to like, um, more so the heart of prayer and the heart we have to have when we really pray. And ultimately, I think like as a church, and Paul has shared this before, we believe as a church, the Lord hears our prayers, our prayers are powerful, and our prayers change things. Come on. And, I, and, I, and I, for me, it's what I really wanna focus on is our prayers are powerful and our prayers change things, but ultimately, how do our prayers, like how, can our, how do our prayers, how can our prayers be more powerful? How can our prayers really manifest that prayer power that we're called to have when we pray? And how can we actually see our prayers change more things in our lives, change more things in our city, change more things in our nation? And ultimately, I think a powerful prayer is preceded by humility. A powerful prayer is preceded by a heart of submission, a heart of um, surrender, a heart of humility. And so I titled this sermon, Humbly We Pray. Somebody say humbly. Because I believe as it's not just that we pray humbly, it's that we humbly pray. Like we come first with a humble heart and then we pray. Our prayers are are more powerful and more effective when we actually have this heart of submission and this heart of surrender and this heart of humility and saying, God, it's not my will, but your will be done on earth in Jesus' name. Come on. And so that's what we're gonna talk about tonight, uh, this morning. That's always happens. <laughs> it's the morning now. <laughs> um, so are you guys, uh, let me, I want to start by asking, like, who here is uh, um, the type of person that likes to get things done, like, likes to get things done and doesn't like to be interrupted? Is that anyone here? Like, you have your, your destination, you have the place you're needing to go, um, <laughs> and you're like, anyone a checklist kind of person? And it's like that, have you ever had that time? It's like you're trying to do what you gotta do and then someone like um, interrupts you in the midst of all that and you're like, hey, I'm focused here. And you act, you're like their interruption is more of an inconvenience. So the other, I was, it was, no. Back in December, I was riding my bike to church, to work, to the office and I, it's in the morning and I'm riding and I'm going down tramway. We've been living, my wife and I, as we've renovated our house, been living with my in-laws. And so they live at the top of tramway. I've been, I was coming down. It's a downhill ride, which is nice. And I'm, and I'm on the back part of tramway and I'm, and I'm going, and I'm going really quick, you know, like 30, cause you get to going really fast as you're going down that hill. And as I'm passing like I-25 going towards Santa Fe, I turn on the frontage road and there's like a bike path right before you turn into the church, right before you turn into Venice. And I'm on the bike path and I'm pedaling and I'm going and I see this guy walking on the frontage road. It's a kind of a weird place to take your morning walks. 
and he's just, he's just strolling along, having a good day. And he, as I'm passing by, I like make eye contact with him. And you know where you make eye contact and you just kind of smile, but he yells at me. And I'm like, and you know that thing where it's like, you're like, you just act like you hear what they had to say, <laughs> but you just keep on going. You're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you keep going. But this guy was persistent. So he turns around and yells at me again. And I'm like, okay. So I like smile again. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> I got to get, I got to get to my destination. I got to get where I'm going. And then I, and then I, um, turn and then he he's he yells at me again so at this point I'm like something's wrong with my bike maybe my <laughs> I don't know maybe my fly's undone or something <laughs> and so he yells at me again um, and so I finally take out my headphones because I had my headphones in this whole time so I really couldn't hear him and I look at him and he yells at me he's like hey happy holidays <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> happy holidays to you too. <laughs> but you see, I think sometimes our prayers look like this. Like we know what we want, we know what we need, we know what we're interceding for. Maybe it's something in our families, maybe it's something in finances, maybe it's something around your city but we come with this thing. It's like, I know the destination, God. I know where you're taking me. I know what I need from you. And when God interrupts that with his timing or with a word from him or something that's not in alignment with what you think God really wants for you, you take it as an inconvenience. Come on, is that anyone? It's like, you're like, I, 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 but, but God. And it's like kind of that interruption where you just like kind of smile and then God like is trying to get your attention. He keeps yelling at, he's like, Ethan, 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 this is what my will is for you. This is what I need you to surrender. And we miss and we pray with less power because our hearts aren't fully surrendered and our hearts aren't fully submitted and our hearts aren't fully humbled to the will of the Father. And yes, we can believe for the promise, but we have to trust the process of humility that it takes to actually seeing what God wants for our lives. Come on. We're gonna look at 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if you wanna turn to your Bibles. Um, I, I know Pastor Paul shared this, I think when we started off our prayer series, uh, but I wanna take another look at it. And it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, Somebody say, pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. You see, I think we look at a verse like this and we really, really, really are good at focusing at the end of that verse and saying, God, I, I wanna see my sins forgiveness. I wanna see healing in my land. I wanna see the promise of whatever it is that you're seeking. And we make that our focus. And we're like, God, I, 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 and it can be anything. And, and depending on what the context is, it could be like, you wanna see salvation in your family. You wanna see healing in your body. You wanna see the healing. You wanna see the sins of your family forgiven. And so we're praying for those things, but we're not realizing 
the heart and the posture of our heart and where it needs to be to actually have the power that our prayers can truly manifest. And it starts by saying, if my people are, who are called by my name humble themselves, I think it's such a beautiful thing and it's so amazing where it's like, when we think of prayer, like honestly, when the world even thinks of prayer, they think of someone on their knees. And I'm not saying you have to pray on your knees all the time, but I do believe that's the posture of your heart. It needs to be in that place of humility and saying, God, God, I, I humble myself. God, I want what you have for me. I don't want what you, I, I, I submit myself to your will, God. I surrender myself to your will. We had, has anyone, we, my wife and I, our car has broken down like 15, 20 times. <laughs> A lot. It like keeps breaking down over and over and over and over again. And so we actually um, uh, went to the mechanics and, and this is like the second, third time to get it fixed. And we're driving and... Uh, Malia's actually the one driving. She calls me and says, hey, Ethan, the car's smoking. <laughs> I pulled over to the side of the road. Like right after, like five minutes after leaving the lot. And I'm like so frustrated with this car. I'm like kicking the car. And I'm like, why, 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 Lord, why? <laughs> and really, I, I came to really, like what's interesting is the car itself is of no value without a working engine. The car itself is of no value without fuel in the tank. It's just a, 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 a hunk of metal. It's just a, it's just a, it really doesn't matter that much. And I think what happens when we, when we, we lack humility in our prayers is we're putting too much trust in ourselves just like you're putting too much trust in a car that doesn't have an engine that works. And, and when we actually recognize what it takes to run the car is actually also when we, what it takes, like when we enter into a place of humility, we're actually recognizing what it takes to have a powerful prayer life. Is we're like, when I humble myself, I realize it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him. When I enter in a place of submission, I realize that I, I have nothing and he has everything. And so I say, God, I surrender, I humble myself. Like I'm just, I'm just a car without an engine if I don't actually trust the one who provides the way. Like that car will not run and take me to my destination. Just like a prayer life without a humble heart will not take us to the end of seeing our sins forgiven and seeing healing in our land and salvation in our city. It then goes on to say, you humble yourself and then pray. And then after that, it says, seek my face. Come on. How many of you guys have ever played hide and seek as a kid or even as an adult? It's okay to play hide and seek. <laughs> um, we had a hide and seek game we played with our youth at our lock-in. Paul's not here, so I can tell this story. <laughs> and Co 
Tawny over there was like, let's hide someone in the rafters of the ceiling in the hallway. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great idea. <laughs> I love that. And so we put someone in the ceiling and um, our youth spent like two hours looking for this person. And our leader who was up in the ceiling just had, was like listening to podcasts the whole time. <laughs> If Paul listens to this later, Paul, we did not break anything, I promise. <laughs> the ceiling is fine. Um, but no, they, they sought and they sought and they sought and they, and they did not seeking when they did not, could not find. And they never really found the person, but they still, we had to tell them, hey guys, stop looking, you're not gonna find them. <laughs> and I think our prayer lives is like we, we humble ourselves and pray, but then we realize and we forget what it takes to actually seek his face, that we have to seek and seek and keep on seeking and keep on believing and saying, when I don't see the answer, I'm going to keep on seeking because I know my God is good and I know that he's here and I believe for the miracle in Jesus' name. My in-laws, I love them so much, but there's a, something with their house the Messiah's home, where if you lay your keys down, you will not find them. <laughs> there is always someone in that house that is looking for keys. And you'll catch B'nai probably praying for her keys to be found. She'll be like, Lord, Lord, give me. I need to find my keys. And she, she you know what? Her, the prayers work too. They all, we all, once she starts praying, I'll be like, I lost my keys, B'nai. Can you pray for me? I, I can't find my keys. <laughs> And you always lose your keys there, but the thing is, is we don't stop looking until we find those keys because we know we need those keys to get our car to actually run and get us with where we need to go. It's like, I'm gonna be late. I might get fired if I don't find my keys. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep on looking. I'm gonna keep on seeking. And as a church, we have to be a persistent in our prayers and saying, I believe, I believe, I believe, and I'm gonna keep seeking because I know my God is good and I know that he, his, 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 his yes is amen. Come on. So we have to keep on seeking. We have to keep on believing. It's these things that it takes to have a powerful prayer. But it always is preceded by humility. And I was, I was praying the Lord took me into Matthew, um, Matthew 26, 36 through 44, if you wanna turn to your Bibles. Because I think Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane exemplifies these two characteristics beautifully and how he's praying right before his crucifixion. And how he shows up before God, right before the worst time in his life. And it says in verse 36, then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Here Jesus is, sorrowful, broken, troubled. It's the, he knows what's about to come. It's a very, have you ever been in a time in your life where it's like intense pressure, really hard? It's a hard season you're going through. 
And then Jesus' response to one of the worst seasons in his life, it says in verse 38, then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink, you will, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. So there's a few things I wanna focus on, but first, you see Jesus, like I said, hardest season in his life. He knows what's about to happen. And I think we can relate with this too because we've all been through hard seasons. We've all been through something hard in our lives. But Jesus' response when he goes into the prayer closet, before he goes into the secret place, is your will be done. Your will be done. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. You see him wrestling, but ultimately he says, God, it is your will, not my will. It is your way, not my way, Father God. And I humbly submit to that. And how often do us, it's like we have the things in our family, the things in our lives, the, the, the struggles we're going through, and it's like, this is what I want it to look like, God. This is how it needs to look. And we're not fully submitted to the what, the when, the how of whatever God wants to reveal. And we're like, we somehow think our way is better than his way. We somehow think what we have in our mind of how a, how a healthy family or how a, how a healthy city should look and God's like, but, but I have a better way. Why do you not just trust me? Why do you not trust me? And I think sometimes it's hard to trust him because ultimately, it's not always fun to drink of. Like the cup he has for us to drink from is not always like a joyful cup. You know, Alan would always say, Pastor Alan, the founder of this church, he says, you serve a crucified savior. You can't expect to leave this life without any scars. You serve a crucified savior. You can't expect to get up and say yes to him and then expect everything to be okay. But I love how Jesus responds because he's wrestling with the will of the Father. He's wrestling and he's saying, God, this is what I want and this is, but ultimately I trust you. Ultimately I trust you. And I also relate to the side of this prayer is how Jesus all throughout the night is praying. And he's not only praying the same prayer one time, he's praying the same prayer three times as it is written here. And we don't know the rest of the night. He might have been praying just all throughout the night this same prayer. And that goes in alignment with it's like, yes, we humbly, he was humbly submitted into the will of his father because it was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross and he despised the shame. 
And for so long, I was like, oh, the joy that was set before him was that, yes, there was salvation, all of goodness, like all of humanity was saved. But then I realized, I was like, no, the joy that was set before him was that he wanted, he wanted to be accepted by his father. He said he only did what he saw the father doing. He only said what he saw the father saying. And ultimately, it's like, that's our greatest that's the, the, that's the thing that should bring us the greatest joy is that I can actually be in this place of like being, oh, I'm accepted by the Father. I have favor from the Father. And he prays three times this same prayer. And I think we're so like, we give up after the first time. But he keeps on seeking. He keeps on believing and then I found myself also relating with the disciples in this story who are just completely asleep. How many of you in your worst season, your hardest times, your, your worst struggles, you're just out? You're like, I can't deal with this. I'm just gonna shut the door and just, I can't pray. I'm just gonna sleep. I'm just gonna be completely stagnant in my faith. You know, it's like Jesus where we're like, I can't, I don't wanna drink of this cup. We can be like Jesus who is humbly submitted. We can still wrestle with the will of the Father, but ultimately be submitted to the will of the Father. But then we can also be like the disciples who are in the midst of their sorrow and the troubling. We're just asleep. If I could, uh, I don't know if I could have, a, I think Kyle was gonna, can I get some music for ministry time? See, when I was 15 years old, I mean not 15, 2015, I, it was my senior year of high school. I, like I grew up in New Life City um, since middle school. I grew up in the church. I grew up knowing about God, like I knew him, I knew he was real, but I had never really known him. There's a difference from knowing about him and then actually knowing him and intimately having a relationship with him. And it was when I was a senior in high school, um, it, was, it was actually through two friends in my life that, um, one of them actually went to this church and he did missions and um, he's now in Florida and he's married. Um, Michael Porter, some of you guys know him. Um, I remember reaching out to Michael um, and it was really, we were gonna have a conversation and we were gonna go out to coffee to just talk about um, like where I wanted to go to college. And I ended up talking with him and like the whole conversation was just about Jesus like the whole conversation. I don't even remember what he was said, but I, what I remember, what was on his life, what was on him and over him and the peace and the joy that he had. And I said, wow, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And so I go into my car and I'm leaving the coffee shop and I, and I, I, don't, I, I was like, I don't know what to do to actually have this. And so it was actually, Caleb, they do this 90 day music challenge. I said, I'm gonna listen to worship music for 90 days or 60 days, I can't remember how long. And so I was like, 
I just listened to worship music. But what I started to do, I wasn't even reading my Bible as I started to pray. Like I just started to pray. And God just started to work on my life and started to humble me and transform me. And I just started to see the goodness. And I was like, maybe there's something more to this God. And then I have a friend, Timothy Lloyd, he reaches out to me. And the last time I had talked to this guy is um, freshman year. And I knew he got expelled from school because he was selling drugs. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I hang out with this guy, but the guy's life was completely radically transformed by the Lord. And he sits with me and we're talking and I also am like, what is it these guys have? Like they're just so much filled with such joy and peace. And it was through their lives and just changing some of the, the choices I made throughout my day and just starting to pray more or something God started to work on my heart. But the changing moment for me completely was um, my buddy Michael invites me to a Bible study. He says, hey, we got a Bible study and it doesn't surprise me. I get the days confused <laughs> and the Bible study wasn't happening. But I invite my buddy Timothy and we go and we, we're like, well, there's no Bible study. You wanna go get something to eat? So we go to Chick-fil-A and then we like drive out and we sit in the parking lot of Hope Christian School. And I remember like it very clearly, like it's starting to get dark and I start talking to him and I finally for the first time say, I don't know what's over you and I don't know what's over my friend Michael, but I really want this for my life. I said, I've been praying. I've been talking to God. And I really feel like I can't actually have what you have because I've, I have these other things in my life, these idols in my life that I've put in the place of God. And, um, you know, God doesn't have to save you from like, I think sometimes we think our testimony has to be like, God saved me from drugs and alcohol and all these sins. My sin was really just not knowing who I was and knowing who God called me to be. And I was so insecure. And I even see this as a youth pastor with youth. It's not like some of the biggest struggle, especially with social media and all the stuff that's out there is this constant thing of comparison. And you're constantly looking at these celebrities and you're looking at what these other people have. And you're like, I, I gotta be like this. I gotta have this. And I live from this place of like, I, this is what I thought a man was supposed to be. And so I got really big into like working out and going to the gym. Like I'd go every single morning and then I'd run track in the afternoons. And it was like an idol that was so big in my life. And I was like, I am so obsessed with me that I cannot fully get obsessed with God. I heard this quote once that I love and I think so beautiful. It says, it says, the obsessed possess. Whatever you obsess about, you will possess it in your life. If you obsess about sin, you're going to get sin. And that's going to be the thing that's going to be possessed in your life. But if you obsess about God, then God is fully going to just come over you and you're going to be possessed fully with his presence. And I was like, I really want what you have. And I want everything that you guys carry. And so I said, I got to lay these things down in my life because I've created them as an idol. And so I stop working out every single morning. I take my sister to school and after I go and I, I drop her off, I would go and I would go back home and I would sit in my room. And I just remember like God's presence just being there. And I was just like, oh, he's so good. I love you so much, Jesus. 
I even remember it's like this feeling I would get in my chest where it would tighten up and I would just be like, I, I guess I never felt it before. And I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be alive. This is what it feels like to be really living. And so I sought him and I sought him and I sought him. But you see what happened is the Lord humbled my heart and even convicted me more. I was still running track and I'd, I'd go to track practice in the afternoons. And the Lord says, you're still hanging on to something, Ethan. I want you to give up everything for me. You're still hanging on to something. It's my senior year of high school. I wasn't a good track runner. I wasn't gonna run in college. <laughs> I was decent, I could run. <laughs> But you see, I was still holding on to something and the Lord's like, I want you to give this up. And so I go with Pastor Allen, the founder of this church. And I love this man. We sit down for lunch and I say, I feel like the Lord's calling me to give up track. And at first he's like, you don't need to do that. It's like, you know, you're almost done. It's literally your last semester. And I was like, no, I feel like he wants me to lay it down. And he looks at me, he's like, is this what God is telling you? And I said, yes, this is what God is telling me. He's like, are you supposed to be at practice right now? I was like, yes. He's like, go tell your coach you're not gonna be in the team anymore. And so I go and I turn in my uniform, but I remember the struggle it was to actually turn in that uniform. And I know I wasn't about to get like crucified on a cross or like, like Jesus, but there was this thing in me where I was like praying the whole time and I was like, God, please don't let me drink of this cup. I don't wanna drink it. This is not what I want, God. Like, can you just let me finish the semester out? Can you just let me just do this? And God's like, no, drink it. My will's much better. My way's much better. And so I'm going up and I turn it in. And at that point, I have nothing left. God had like taken everything out of my life so that all I had was Jesus. And I go home and I'm like, but God, I have nothing now. What do you want from me? Like, what can I do now? And he said, and we were, my parents had these, these bed and breakfasts in the downtown area. And he said, there's so many people that are lost and hurting and don't me, know me. I want you to go on the streets and share the gospel. I want you to go pray for people. And I remember getting up and like running out the door. I wasn't in track anymore, so I had to run somewhere. <laughs> And so I'm running down to the streets and the first person I see, I'm like, hey, I know Jesus. And, it, and, 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 I, and he loves you so much, can I pray for you? And I share the gospel and I just love on that person there. And I just remember the fullness I had. I was like, oh, this is so much better than track. This is so much greater, I could do this. <laughs> You see, I share this, I don't know what happened to that slide I looked at that last night. It has like a Z for true and a Y for from. <laughs> but I share this verse every time I, I preach my testimony because I think this is what really happened for my life. It says, for they themselves report the concerning you, us, the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned for, to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I love this verse because it doesn't just, it talks about the people of Thessalonica and how they didn't just turn from their sin, they turned to God. 
You see that I, I felt like I was losing something, but ultimately I was gaining something so much better. See, I wasn't turning from my sins. I was turning to my God. I was turning to my Savior. I found something so much better. And I said, I, I'd rather have you, Jesus, than all of this. And all that other stuff didn't matter anymore because I had Jesus. I had his presence. I had his promise. And so when we humbly pray, when we humbly submit ourselves, we think sometimes we're losing something but ultimately we're turning to something so much better. Jesus in this moment knew that the will of the Father was so much better. To die was gain for him. To gain the whole world, to gain eternity with his Father and to be near his Father. And so we think sometimes the sacrifice is so hard to drink of, but ultimately the gain is so much better because he's so good, church. He's so, so good. You guys could stand. This is what I want to do. I'm going to have, before I ask my youth to come up, I just want you to come forward as a church, and then our youth is going to come around you and just pray for you guys. Because I feel like it's not a prayer that you need to receive from, like, our our. Our youth are gonna minister, but really it's just them just, are, are you okay if we lay hands on you? That's okay. If not, you just tell them not to touch you. <laughs> but really, here's the thing. This has nothing to do with someone's prayers. This has nothing to do with um, someone's advice. I feel like this is about you and God. It's about you and God. And I want our youth to be there just to, just to partner with what God is doing and just to lay hands and just to bless you as you come forward. But the call for tonight is like, I just want more, I just want more, I just want more, I just want more. And if your heart cry is like a heart cry for more, if you want to see the healing in your land, if you want to see the forgiveness of your sins, then it takes us first coming and humbling ourselves and surrendering ourselves and submitting ourselves and saying, God, this is, I believe for a miracle, but Father God, it's not your will be done. It's your will be done, not my will. And if you want to come and just submit yourself and say, God, I'm here. I want you to just come to the altar. And I want you to come to the altar and just humble yourself and just believe for a miracle. Because we're believing for a miracle in our families. We're believing for a miracle in our families. Even though everything in the natural says it's not possible, we're believing for a miracle in our city. Even though everything in the natural says there's no way, we're believing for a miracle in our nation, even though the news constantly shows us all the problems, all the chaos, we believe that there is more and we believe that the answer is in you, Jesus, and what you did on the cross. Jesus, you drank of the cup willingly. You drank of the cup willingly. Just begin to church, just begin to pray right now and just begin to lift up your voice to God. God, we humble ourselves. You are so good, hallelujah. Bless your name. Bless your name, you're so good. 
We love you, Father God. God, it's not about us, and we know that powerful prayers are only preceded through humility, that powerful prayers are only preceded through surrender. So fire of God, just come right now, Holy Spirit. Youth, just come to just lay hands on people. Just come to lay hands. Just pray for the people around you. If I can also have some pastors, and if you're in the prayer ministry and you're not forward, if you want to come and just pray for people. In Jesus' name, we just pray for more. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence. You're so good. You're so holy. We bless your name. I also feel right now that there's some people here that it's like you have forgotten how to seek. That you have forgotten how to seek and that you are fully surrendered, but you're also where it says you have to seek my face. That you can't find the breakthrough because you have forgotten how to seek and believe. And I believe there's a fresh renewing of his strength, a fresh renewing of his Holy Spirit, a fresh renewing of his presence that is going to fill you today with a heart of intercession and a heart of prayer and saying, I will keep on believing. I feel hopeless, but I know there is hope. I feel hopeless, but I know there's a God. I feel hopeless, but I know there's a victory in Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, we just say more right now. We just say more. Holy Spirit, just come right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're gonna keep on praying and our youth are gonna keep moving around. Youth just kind of move around from person to person, maybe like, you know, so everyone gets some prayer. And um, we're gonna celebrate as a church for Pastor Steve. So don't leave, we have cake outside. Also, if it's your first time, we, there's a newcomer card, you can fill that out and there should be someone at the table to greet you. But I'm just gonna bless everyone and release you, but don't stop if you're still receiving. Father, we just thank you so much for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We bless, we bless your name, Father God. We pray for blessing and increase in this house, Lord. Maybe there be an increase of, of humility. May there be an increase of submission to the will of the Father. God, that when we go into our weeks, that we can believe for more in Jesus' name because we humble ourselves more. Amen.